Welcome to the Recruiter Startup Podcast. Today's guest is Stuart Mitchell. He's a cybersecurity recruiter who has just set up by himself and has gone through getting his first hire. I've done a podcast with Stuart before. He's a well-known, respected UK recruiter. Quick summary on his journey. He describes himself as an average UK recruiter who moved to America and just slowly started getting better and better and the market helped and his confidence grew. He got to know it even better. Did well in New York, did amazing in LA and just got to a point where it made sense to do his own thing. And I've no doubt that he's going to be massively successful. So I, I asked him a lot of questions around what his strategic plan is and we discussed elements of different models and how it could work or how it couldn't work and you know Stuart's one of these guys that's continually learning so he wouldn't come on and pretend that he knows everything and he has everything figured out but he's always open to debate and I have no doubt that he's going to be a massive success so really enjoyed the podcast great catching up with Stuart Um, he's had a new baby he's moved house he's set up a business and it's just great to see somebody who's just going for it on all fronts and it's balls to the wall. So fair play to him. This podcast, as ever, is sponsored by Luxo and Sourceware, two products we use in our business, have done for a while, and I'm very happy with them. Can't say that for every product in the marketplace. I'm hearing awful things out there on certain ETS providers, but we'll leave that for another day. In fact, we got big guest coming on in that space pretty soon. His name's Matt Chambers. He is the founder of Luxo. Um, We're going to be talking about the next generation of ATS and what it can do for your business. But on a personal front, I'm standing here looking out over the Mediterranean in our rented house in Gibraltar. Very grateful that we made the move here. And I I must do a podcast actually with my wife Charlotte on on how all that came about and some of the challenges of it. But anybody's thinking of making the move, I can't recommend this place enough for business, for, for your kids, for weather. You know, the tax is great. Um, just, just everything has, uh, has really, really been a great move. Um, our business is ticking along. We're doing quite a bit of rec to rec. People seem to want to leave the UK again, which is great. <laughs> also we're moving people around London quite a bit um, Australia, Dubai and the US seem to be the busiest periods um, our business performance was great in December not great in January and it's looking okay for February so I couldn't tell you what the market's doing um, I do know our clients are doing alright but they're all pretty well structured recruitment agencies Um, We don't really work in the RPO space. That world seems to be absolutely dying. Our advisory business is going from strength to strength. We're adding different things in them. We have loads of plans for it. And Charlotte's flying all over the UK. She has all her clients. Massive businesses, small businesses. And uh, it really adds to the day and really enjoy doing some of that myself. Um, And then our Dublin business is ticking along well. We've got three there. And the financial services market there seems to be quite robust right now. Um, so, so all in all, 
I don't think we'll be retiring anytime soon, but we're keeping our heads above water and enjoying our new life out here. If anybody uh, wants any chat about business, wants to figure out a bit more about what we do, uh, we have our community required and it is, it's got like hundreds and hundreds of recruitment founders in two main groups. And we actually have three, but there's two main groups. And one is for independent recruiters and the other is for recruitment boutiques and scalable founders. You'd not believe how different the conversations are in both um, because different businesses have different goals and we've tried to build communities to suit the goals of the individuals. And it's uh, it's been a really fun journey building that business. Um, Okay, so that's it for today. I'll hand you over to the interview I did with Stuart. Um, I think you'll find it quite inspiring and I think you'll probably leave that interview and think, oh, I'd, I'd bet money that guy's going to be a success. All right, welcome to the Recruiter Startup Podcast. I'm back here with Stuart Mitchell. It's been a long time, my friend. It has indeed. Uh, I was trying to figure out. I think it might have been four years. So uh, good to good to be back on the show. Um, the last time was when I went to visit LA, and we did a podcast. Was it West Hollywood? Is that where you guys were based? We were in Culver City. Culver City, and we we got a couple of podcasts done with you guys and your guys there. Uh, and then we had a, an impromptu meet out late late at night in a in a bar afterwards. Yeah, I uh, don't remember that one so well. Uh, <laughs> I definitely had a few, but uh, it seemed to be a, a good local spot for many British recruiters. And I think that's uh, there were a few of us in there. So you're not in LA anymore? No, uh, unfortunately not. I miss the sunshine. Uh, I relocated back to the to the east coast in uh just over a year ago so decided to to make the jump be closer to to my family to my wife's family uh as we we started a family ourselves um but also the the work from home situation i continued to operate in southern california for, for a year after that but um yeah the work from home flexibility allowed us to be where we needed to be which was great um i was obsessed with looking at la and the homeless scene and all of that during COVID because it it, it 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 looked like a post-apocalyptic nightmare. What was it what was it like being in COVID there? Weird. Uh it was a really, really weird city to be in. I think in some essences it was great. Uh and you know you look at if you can only you can't do anything but you can be outside. There's probably not a better city to be outside because you can eat outside all year long, mm. go for a walk by the beach, get on a bike, go for a run all year round, even if you're not a fitness fanatic. Like from a mental health perspective, I think we were pretty fortunate. That said, there are a couple of like homelessness was more accelerated. You know, you look at some of the jobs that were affected by COVID. So it pushed more people into homelessness in California. So you're right. Like there was, you know, a lot of, you know, some of the areas in downtown LA, Hollywood, Venice, that were just smoked, even to the point where when I was leaving California, 
they actually just entirely cleaned up Venice Beach from the homelessness and, and kind of pushed them more towards downtown. But it kind of took the vibe away from Venice. It was a really weird feeling where, you know, the homelessness kind of added a edge and a vibe to it. But when it was gone, it was like, it doesn't feel the same anymore. It was really, really weird. The draconian laws that they put in in California shut down a lot of restaurants and that as well. I'm sure it affected the overall yeah. vibe. Yeah, I think, you know, people that have left or go back now, same with New York City, like it doesn't feel like the same place that it was before. Um, California is a notoriously liberal state. Uh, and so things were enforced a lot more than perhaps they were in a Texas or a Florida. Uh, and yeah, you're right. Like these, it cost some people their livelihood and some came back, but it wasn't the same. Uh, and it was sad to see. And it is, you know, we, we still go back and it doesn't doesn't quite feel like that. 2019 Brennan's vibe that we had a few years ago um, that, you know, I hold with such, such good memories, but, you know, it's still a great city, but things change and and it got hit pretty hard with COVID. Um, So whenever COVID hit, the remote remote working accelerated, what was that like for you as, as a recruiter with your clients and then you working for, at the time, an established British, British recruitment agency that what, like, firstly, would have you in the office yeah so first three months for me were like hey this is not a this is not a full-time solution this doesn't work this is we lost all our culture we lost you know this isn't right like this is this is not how you do recruitment this is not how you train whatever i was i was super against it um and so it was it was odd and i think it was always an expectation that we would go back at some point i think that expectation was always set there you know, we had, as a business, we'd come, we'd set up, and our plan was to hire locally. And then, you know, and, and again, I think everyone struggled those first three or four months in, in recruitment. I think you, you ask any U.S. business owner that kind of Q2, March to say June or July of, of 2020, everybody struggled a little bit. Yeah. And then the taps went, and everyone decided that they were going to hire, they were going to hire remote, and things just went went really well. And, you know, we... We pivoted our culture at, at Start May, where I was at the time, to be a remote first business, come what may, although kind of considering hiring in, in Los Angeles. And we ended up, you know, my career, I mean, I was on a pretty good trajectory, but it continued to rise and rise and rise. And, you know, I had some of the most efficient years uh, of my career working from home to the point I'm now. And I never thought if you'd have said this four years ago that I'd be kind of pro work from home, I'd have laughed in your face. Um but now kind of flipping the script, uh, I, I'm now very pro work from home, you know, given, you know, given what we did, we set up a really effective, you know, management environment, team environment, um, but it was a shift. And I think one of the things that we struggled with is, you know, that kind of traditional mentality, learning and development coaching. And we, and we had to make some pretty big structural changes, particularly when it came to hiring um, to make sure that they were enabled. And I think that's something that businesses are still trying to figure out now is like, okay, if we hire this person remote, how do they get into our culture? How do they learn the same way that everyone else is learning? Like it's the same challenges, but my viewpoint definitely changed to the point that now I have my own business, at least at this point, you know, it's a, it's a remote first company. Yeah, it's it's tough, right? And I, I, I've been remote for years and I enjoy it. Yeah. But at the same stage, it does come with its limitations if you're building a sales team, especially in the recruitment industry. So typically you'll find that one in three survive on graduate hires. 
And nobody can beat that industry average, even if they say they can. Uh, <laughs> yeah. They have for a while, they usually get caught, and then they don't. Um, and I, I think it's probably pretty true with even our own business. Now, we've gone from a point where we hired a lot of virtual assistants to now we would hire uh, more TA skilled people from Eastern Europe. And that was a big shift for us. But even, even with that, it's it's really hard to get people who can get your culture, know what you're about, and be accountable and make things happen and not expect that it's always going to be easy. And yeah. it's, it's it's a real challenge. And one thing I would never do is hire people without experience if it's a proper 360 type recruitment job. Yeah, and I think I agree with that. And I think that that definitely in, you know hampers businesses that are trying to go for that kind of scaled exit i still think you know if you're looking to to kind of grow at an extreme rate you we've seen it in the industry the best way to do it is to manufacture your own talent right it's yeah. rare that we see businesses that are commercially wise enough to go and hire some of the senior players from the industry because they're expensive right and you can't go and hire a hundred you know 50 100 people at these high numbers and assume that they're going to work in your environment anyway so I do think it is limiting, particularly if you're looking at that growth mode. And, you know, I'm I'm looking at my business in, in junctures of, okay, let's get from zero to one. And then, you know, then we reestablish. And I think something that, um, you know, some really smart businesses are doing is, is even if they are hiring remote, trying to be a little bit more deliberate around that in terms of some of the hubs. I know that's something that you've mentioned in the past is having hubs. I know some businesses that have done it in, you know, Tony has an example in, in Belfast, you know, they were looking at remote, they bought a hub there, um, you know, Toby, sorry, he killed me for that one. Um, but some businesses that are hiring down in Florida or Austin and trying to get those hubs together. So I think if that's the case, there is, you know, an opportunity to build cultures, even, even if it is, you know, getting together once or twice a week or even a few times a month versus a traditional five days in the office. Uh, I think there's something there. And again, you know, if I do decide to push this business into more of a, hey, let's scale, let's exit, let's, you know, look at PE or acquisition, I think I will have to be, you know, probably commit to something that is a little bit more outside what I'm doing today, get an office, get some some more people together. Yeah. And one of the things I was, I, I was saying to you before, you're at an interesting place in your life as well. So I, I, yeah. I have a five and a four-year-old now. So we very much and he's almost six actually and the other guy's nearly five so like we feel like we're through a lot of like we drop them off then they go to nursery then they're in sports then they come back and have their dinner and we're involved but we're way freer than we were paying for two childcare situations and mother-in-law not wanting to do it all the time and saying they would and picking up here and there and like it's very hard when you're in that place in your life and setting up a business and buying a house and moving states and you've you're doing all the stuff that i that 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 we've kind of gone through and i I see myself on the other side of that now and you know i was thinking i wouldn't mind having an office full of some people i could have fun with here in gibraltar um because like, at the moment we've a I, I I take the the morning meeting twice a week, and on that we'll have our our team in the Philippines, our team in Eastern Europe, and some of our principals in uh, in England and Ireland, and we have a structured real structured meeting, all the rest. They're all women. They're all in Charlotte's image. It's 
it's not my idea of my <laughs> they're fun yeah but like it, yeah it's it's not what i had at robert walters where yeah it's like all guys like me and i just know that we can go and have fun and all the rest so i was thinking like you know it would be nice to have that bit of yeah the next bit of the business now so i would say that you probably will reach that once you yeah once you establish that and usually what will happen is you might like because you're really credible in this space you'll attract people to come join you who are well known and networked and all the rest and they'll reach a stage in their development where they'll come to you and say hey i need a bit more than this and you'll say well the only way you can do more is by hiring and training in your local yeah. area and the hubs will spring up yeah and that's i mean that would be dream world for me is to kind of outsource some of that responsibility um and, and again you know something that i'm cognizant of is you know when i created this business i don't want to just create a good place for billers to come and make decent money and, and leave right there has to be some growth in their journey otherwise people get bored right you could be doing as well as as you know making more money than you ever thought you would you know more responsibility but if you're not continuously growing people do get bored and they do seek something new and and you know i think sometimes we're very, you know, we just, I think sometimes we just assume it's money and try and throw money at that problem, but people do want more. And I think to your point, right, we've had some, you know, particularly last month, but we've had some really good wins, at, you know, both like deals and new clients and, and dealing with situations and nothing be, and you probably had this at Robert Walters and I've had this over my career. Hey, like we should go and celebrate this. Like, let's go get a dinner. Let's go get a, like finish early, yeah. whatever. Like it's great. Right. And I think, you know, is you know lunch club can be a little bit much the formalities of it but like hey we nailed this situation let's go get a couple of beers tonight unplanned and celebrate yeah. obviously you know that's a lot more difficult when you're hiring across the country or in, even in different countries like and i do miss things like that and i think that's something you know sometimes sometimes if you make it too structured you can actually suck all the fun out of it like hey we're gonna fly in and we're gonna do this and this and that's great and that is important but i'm unstructured celebrations but also fi fixing stuff right like hey we had a really bad day or we had a disagreement or we had like those diffusing situations in my day at least when i was kind of coming through was like best yeah. done over a beer or over coffee outside of the office like I, I think some of those things like are things that you can't replace and again like i, I definitely do miss that uh and i again wouldn't change the fact that I can be around my kid, like my one-year-old right now, but moving forwards, uh, you know, I It'll could change. see myself going back. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And things do. Um, I, I think probably, so one of the th ways that we do that with our remote team is we fly them into London uh, two or three times a year, usually yeah. in and around. Um, so actually the Filipinos, we don't, they, they, uh, we send them we send them money to go take themselves out for for dinner and all the rest while, nice. the, while the team do that um but we tie it in usually with a required event so we run the whatsapp groups that you're in um we have the independent recruiter group and then we have the one for the scalable scalable recruitment firms and they're very different vibes and all the rest but what we do is we throw these events with the partners every couple of year, every couple of times a year and then our team go into that and then they get to see, all oh, right. So this is what it's what it's like now. Actually like, yeah. Yeah. So they get to see what it's like to see 50 testosterone fold 
filled <laughs> CEOs talk about their business and the same with uh, all the recruitment partners and vendors and get a real taste no for doubt. the industry. And it's funny, like all the people we've flown in to the events, they're the ones who've stayed in our business over the long run because they yeah, it's all made sense. They they've got it, they got to see the personality types, and then they're like, okay, so now I know when I'm speaking to a recruiter, they'll fit that. And you know, it's that it's that yeah. bit of realness that's hard yeah. to get in a remote business. Um you mentioned events and maybe like scaling a business. Have you put a have you put a number on the amount of people you want to grow to within the next four years, or is there? Yes, to an extent. Um, I've always I've always put EBITDA above everything else versus headcount versus I'm a profit guy, I'm a numbers guy, and that has always been something that's far more important to me than headcount. I think headcount can get a little arbitrary, and I also think sometimes. If you're as focused on headcount as you are about profitability and scalability um, and businesses tend to, everyone uses the word scale in recruitment, but they tend to grow. They tend to reduce that profit, profit per head. And so that's something that I'm really cognizant of. In, a, in an ideal world, 15 in four years is a good starting point for me. I That may sound small, that may sound, you know, but my expectation is a 600K revenue per head per business. So that's, a you know, for me, that's a lot of money, right? And I think, you know, I have done that. I have achieved that. You know, that's something from a, a team perspective, you know, even with some team, you know, some team members that were past me or whatever, I, I have achieved the 600K revenue per head team. And so that's something that I really want to continue to laser in on. And that may mean that there's some hires that just aren't, can't do that. And there are some hires who get past that and want to go and do what I did because, you know, you see... Like if you if you are hiring somebody who is moving forwards and doing a million, a million five, two million a year, they're probably going to get the itch unless you do something sensational by means of LTIP or equity or ownership to keep them. Uh, and I'm cognizant of that, but it's really hard to keep overperformers. Uh, and so that's something that I'm I'm trying to do. But 15 in five years seems feasible. But I'm you know what I will definitely do at the end of each year like. We're ahead of our year one numbers. So that means that we're probably going to be ahead of our year one headcount. So I will I will change that. I will move that. Like that's something so, that I'm not going to laser in on a number in. So that I mean that's a nice plan. I'll give you I'll give you my two cents worth on it. Um I think there's no way in this world you keep top performers, regardless of what model you put in place. Um yeah. the one that I've seen work if you want 16 people is Joe Mullings one where yeah he controls the client flow and then everything else is a delivery function because that means they're reliant on him but if you have yeah. a three if you have a 360 gang of 16 people they're going to feel they don't need you after a while in in the yeah. same way whereas he he has that that difference and and I think that's the only one I've seen that works from that and if you look at all if you look at search firms as well, yeah, they're not doing much BD. There's, nope. you know, they, they have a few relationships that then their delivery is all done for them. And yeah. why would they leave? Because all of this is done. So it's, it's really hard. And that's why people don't just stay to 16. They, yeah. they spread, they spread the risk 
and then they get the next people in. So the pricing, yeah. the pricing and the breaking up that model piece is is really key to it. Yeah, of course, of course. And I, you know, I I've, I've been following. I, I find Joe's journey quite fascinating. I, mm. I'm really impressed by what he's doing, and I think you know the reputation that he has in his industry is like untouched. And so I thought, you know, I'm trying to look at some of the things that he is doing because in my industry and in security, I think I'm not there yet, but I definitely think I have a, a really good kind of level into the important folks of that industry. Um, so, I, you know, it's something I would absolutely love to replicate, but also realize, you know, I have no way near what Joe is doing. Um, but, uh, mm. you know, I'm absolutely fascinated by the guy, the way he goes to market, um, some of the events he hosts, his media stuff, like top tier, uh, and something that you know, even at a tenth percentile, I'm I'm trying to emulate. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, but you know, when I break it down, it's that one piece, like, mm -hmm. like who who controls where the deals come from and who controls the delivery function, and I think you've been brought up in three sixty, so have yeah. I. It's very hard to let that go, isn't it? I agree. I agree. Um, and it's something again, you know. I also, but I also look at the multi-billion-dollar companies, right? I look at the businesses, Hayes Tech Systems, whatever. Like a lot, a lot of it is kind of senior partners holding these very key relationships with banks. With you know, it is a lot of one eighty and and, and two seventy to some extent, and so. Mm -hmm. There's pros and cons to both, right? But I, I do think in the US, like 180 and 270 is, is a lot more commonplace than true 360 recruitment. But then it's like, okay, how much do I have to work as like a chief BD officer or whatever to continue to stem that flow? And then I'm probably paying, you know, I'm also used to paying 360 comms. Should I be reduced to that? It's such an interesting nuanced argument it that is. definitely will take some some work over the years, but also like 360 is hard, right? Like a 23 year old, 22 year old coming, hitting the phones, gaining immediate credibility to a, you know, 40, 50 year old executive that's getting a hundred phone calls a day. Like I see the value of it um, both ways, but yeah, I think it's, it's definitely, and then you look at some of the newer businesses that are going kind of down the like SDR route, like which is true, it's a tech sales, which, hey, my job is just to connect you or, you know, whoever to, to the decision maker like there's so many different ways to structure this but you're right like we grew up in 360 so hard to, right. to like ma like map out a business in any other yeah. way and, and i think you know like i've interviewed joe a few times and he's he's taken a process to win the media battle um yes. and the data battle and the events and that there's the biz that's the that's the bd machine as opposed to yeah ad chasing all day long and making that happen yeah. but and then you mentioned the the plc version they they, they don't really like they probably won't agree with me on this but i don't think they care <laughs> about the big billers like no. I, I think what they want is middle of the road who can train rookies and if yes. they can if they if they're middle of the road and the risk is spread and everything's done right and they're following the process then they're happier and I suppose the other bit you're going to have to look at, and here's where it gets interesting, is who's going to buy you? Yeah. So, right. and the business that you're going to build is going to have to be structured around that person who's going to go, do you know what? 
I want that as a bolt on, or actually you're going to fit our culture or is, is it somebody who buys it off you in the future or? Yeah. It's, it's so interesting, right? Because some of the, some of the behaviors that drive a, like a straightforward buyer is actually the culture that I don't like, right? Like, Hey, let's nail down these. And, and, I'm not anti-KPI. Like I, I I know that that's an ugly word in recruitment. I think for me, <clears throat> revenue and first interviews are the first thing that I always look at. If that's good, I don't tend to get too below the service. Um, then obviously you can kind of pick up data. So I'm not anti-KPI. You know, that said, I'm not trying to hit key metrics to make myself look attractive from a purchase standpoint, which I think some businesses do. And that's some of the behaviors that I'm not trying to... They're not trying to achieve. I think, look, we may be more attractive in three years as a 10-person bolt-on for a UK business that wants to take on cybersecurity from, you know, or an Australian business, APAC that's like, hey, it's easier to buy Stu's business than it is for us to go and do it ourselves. That's like just, right now. That's just give him 10 million and let him ride off and, and just let I'm not asking it. for that's a lot. It. Exactly. That's it. Um <laughs> But yeah, I mean, look, that's that's the obvious one is somebody who like is desperate to break into this U- US market. And, you know, over the years, I've had plenty of people wanting me to do it for them and, and, it, and it didn't make sense. But, you know, if somebody wants to buy their way in, I think that's the obvious one. Do I see us going all the way to 150 person exit right now, like 500 person, you know, private equity event right now? No, but talk to me in three years, you know, my... Yeah. my Every, everyone changes, right? I don't want to be super linear yeah. set on one particular event. I'm just going to roll with the punches. I want to build a really profitable business so that it's profitable and makes money for me and, and my family. If that's attractive to somebody else in five years, so be it. Yeah, and you're not one of these people that ever got lost in middle management. Like, you've always stuck no. to... Yeah, Um so many people get into recruitment but don't actually want to do recruitment, right? I think it's one of these interesting things. Like, all I need to do is get here and I can stop doing recruitment and I can start <laughs> telling other people how to do recruitment. So many people are desperate to do it. Um, it's always kind of my biggest fear is, like, I was a fairly, like, I'm a fairly mid-tier, like, standout, like, leader. Like, I, I look at some leaders and I'm like, wow, you're very good. You're very good at training people from nothing into something. You know, I'm, I always kind of describe myself in US terms as like a bit of a college coach, which is I can't teach you how to throw the football or whatever, but can, can make it slightly better and can understand the decision making. And, you know, I turned 400K billers into 800K billers, et cetera, but I definitely didn't build them from nothing. Um, and that, you know, that's what I'm hoping to emulate here. But I, I didn't enjoy the management. I didn't enjoy the strategy calls or the, you know, two, you know, three day sleep away camp. Let's all get the leadership together type meetings. I, I'm, I'm a doer. Like I like to do recruitment. I like to execute on plans. I like to make money, but I don't like to sit around the table for 10 hours and discuss a strategy. Like just, just let me go and do it. And one of the things I kind of felt, and you know, one of the reasons I exited my previous position was like, I'm doing less of this. And my, my value to the industry is talking to clients, even still doing searches. And I found myself strapped away from that. And that's the skill that got me to where I am. And then I just become another generic middle manager in recruitment. And that doesn't like, who's going to hire me if, or I can't really set up on my own no. as a generic middle manager. So for me, my skill was always 
be a really good recruiter first and I'll never be short of a job and you know anyone would hire me as a as a recruiter standalone or I could set up my own business you know it's kind of like been left out to pasture isn't it I I think like a lot about what I do all day and uh I've been asked a few times recently like what, what, what are you up to like and I'm like well I just want to create things for recruitment founders to buy with people systems mm-hmm. events yeah whatever it is. And I I just want to continue to do that. But the only way I can continue to do that is to speak to the best Neds, the best founders and the best recruiters. And I don't do anything else outside of that. So yeah, it, I'd be afraid to lose that piece because then you don't know yeah. what the problems are. Yeah, exactly. And you, the second you stop talking to your market, and I've seen this, right? Like managers who haven't been on the tools for five or 10 years and it's, you're telling me how to, to do something or suggesting that I do something this way, but you're wrong. Like the, the technology has changed. The way people interact has changed. Like decision-making process has changed, right? We're very digital now. Like I think I read a, a report that in the next 10 years, 80% of decision-makers will be millennials. So they're going to make digital decision-making processes. Like not, hey, get on the phone, get on the phone, get on the phone. I understand that you need to talk to people, yeah. but not annoying people like the good old-fashioned days of the 2000s, like you start to piss people off now versus, you know, actually understanding and understanding the psych of your decision makers process, which is why I always want to stay in the game. And I get that this probably, you know, is going to take, it's not going to be me forever. You know, if this business grows to 15 plus, I either got to hire a CEO, which is not something I'm necessarily against, um, or I got to step away. So it's two, two definitely like, pretty big decisions that will come to me in the next few years uh, that I have to be big enough to take. Uh, Cause I think like there's so many, I, I see it, uh, you know, in, in some of the recruitment channels and, and stuff like 50, hundred people businesses that like, kind of get stuck in that middle of like still trying to be a good biller, but also trying to make like huge strategic decisions. And there's a point where you have to kind of drop one or the other. And, uh, you know, it's something that the decision I'm not really looking forward to, but something that I'm going to have to make at some point. Yeah, the search search firm owners never do, and they're happy. Yeah. So the, mm-hmm. I don't know, like it 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 definitely does change. I I need variety. So yeah, like right now I'm working on something and I, I'm I'm putting a few pieces together, and my day is pretty free. Like I'll do this. I'll speak. I've got three decent candidates that I spoke to on Friday that I'm excited about. And yeah. my team will my team will present them out and, and make all that happen. And people give me calls and it, all that stuff's fun and it's interesting. Mm-hmm. And there, there's always something else and something different to do. Um, but if I was to have to do middle management, run a PL all day, I'd walk in front of traffic. Yeah. So I'll be, I'll be holding your hand. <laughs> <laughs> right. Two for one. Super one, I know, but we, you have to do it to get to a structure. Like, it's, of course, it is. So, um, you uh, you went out, uh, you went out on your own. Did you did you vent many potential business partners that you were thinking about, or was that a big decision? And before you go into that, what was yeah. the day you decided to set up? Good question. Um, I think a lot of people knew I would do this before I actually knew myself something you mentioned to me years back, like yeah. surely you're, this is happening to you. Like I remember you mentioning it, like obviously you're going to do this. And you know, even people I've worked with, like oh, when are you doing this? Clients, like thought it was your business, et cetera. So I, I then, thought it because you were into it. 
like uh, yes yeah so there, there's that um, obsessive compulsive thing where i'm like that nobody's gonna be able to control that yeah and i and i'm on top of that i know that like i'm not an easy person to manage because i am obsessive and i have you know I've, and I, I do have a i will never say yes because just because right like i need to know why um so i think you know there were certain things that i saw from a pattern of you know i got I got through all the promotions that I could and I still couldn't really influence that change. So towards towards the start of last year, you know, I had those conversations internally of like, hey, it I, I feels like this might, might be coming. I, you know, I, I want to air this and see if I'm not just thinking this. And I think, you know, it reached that eventuality that, you know, towards the start of last year is when I thought about it. I then put things on pause so I wanted to have my kid in, in April. And so that was a priority. And then... Like as soon as I got back, I, I knew that my heart wasn't really in 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 working for a, for a business, and so made that decision. Um, had plenty of interest from an investment standpoint. Had plenty of interest, you know. Started to vet potential like true partners to come with me, um, and decided that you know I, I I used one of the the shops to help me set up from a, a platform perspective, and, and was super useful. But I really wanted to do this my own way. Uh, and so I wanted to be, I wanted to own the full, full stake of the business, drive it myself. Um, and so, you know, I was fairly kind of adamant on that. And then, you know, from an investment standpoint, I was fairly careful, you know, careful around money for the last couple of years so that I could not pay myself for six months a year, sold my Porsche, like, was, was fairly kind of smart around how I wanted to do this because I didn't want to just get out there and, make dumb decisions, try and get invoices in really quickly. I wanted to be really process driven about this. Um, but yeah, kind of took some time off August. I, I left at the end of July. I started mid September. So I took six weeks out probably retrospectively. I probably should have taken a bit longer, um, but I missed the game, right? You know me, I'm obsessed. Like I want to do this. Mm. Uh, and six weeks on my hands, I was getting a bit bored. So um, kick things off mid September, made my first hire in November. Um, you know, and th those first eight weeks of miserable, I was so lonely. Um, I didn't realize I was quite, it's going to be quite that difficult. Um, because those it's, it's really, you know, not being, and particularly my wife doesn't work. I left a really comfortable situation. So if I've had a bad day, I definitely can't go to her because she's going to panic and, and worry about the scenario. So for me, it was a case of having somebody on board that I can have these discussions with and things don't go great was was amazing but now like could not be you know i wish i did it sooner I, that's what i said to everybody i wish i did it sooner but yeah re really grateful that i made that decision good stuff when are you buying back the porsche so i could i, I had to have a think about when i'm gonna get myself a new car um and what triggers so I could, I, we've had a good month and I could not hire somebody in Q, Q2 and go and buy it then. Uh, I've decided to be pragmatic and choose a, a person. Uh, I'm looking at the Audi Q8 RS as, as my next toy. So uh, I would imagine that if we carry on like we are, summer. Uh, I, I, didn't, I probably didn't even need to sell it. We got off a little bit faster than, uh, than I thought, but I just wanted to cure my, cure my paranoia and have, and kind of, not have to make bad decisions. So I miss it for sure. It was amazing. Loved every second of owning it for two and a half years. But uh, yeah, hopefully I have a new fancy toy by uh, 
May, June, July time. Lovely. Any message to anybody who's thinking of setting up by themselves or moving to America or following the journey that 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 you've done? So I'll start with move, moving to America. I think this is the, like, for me, it was the best decision I've ever made. Like, it is, like, it, it will leapfrog your career. I was a fairly mediocre biller in London for two years. I was a 100, 200 grand biller. I had the opportunity to come to, come to the U.S., and my life is way further ahead than I ever thought it would be. The opportunity the recruitment has afforded me, the cities I've lived in, New York, Los Angeles, spent a year in San Diego, like loved every moment of it. Um, and so anyone who's thinking about it, I also know people that have come here for two years, three years, five years, and just had the best times of their life, made more money than they thought and gone home. Home isn't going anywhere. Um, but I've also seen people come here be part of huge exits, make more money than they even fathomed that they could even bill, let alone make. Uh, and so, you know, ultimately do it. Like there's so many great options out there. And the worst case you do is go home. Um, I could never recruit in the UK again. My wife would love for us to live in England and go do recruitment, but I just like can't imagine going back to 10% rates and nobody knowing who I am. So not for me. Um, setting up on your own is a slightly more nuanced question i think everyone at face value is like yeah go do it but i think the first thing you have to think is like okay can i can i still recruit because some people have passed that um am i organized enough to take care and document everything i do particularly in the u.s because a lot of like tax crap and stuff like that that you have to manage um and thirdly like can i the can you deal with the level of emotional attachment to deals that you used to remember when you were a rookie in that first interview, like first deal, like it brings you all the way back to those raw emotions when you're a business owner, which is great. Right. Cause I haven't felt anything for years when I did a deal or whatever. Yeah. So great. Another deal. Like, but it will really drag you back to like, wow, like displacement or you have a dropout. Like when it's like 30, 50, 70 grand and it's your yeah. money, yeah. like bang, like it hits. Um, so you've got to be ready for, that back to the level of emotional attachment that it was like your first week on the sales floor when you got a contract to a final. Yeah. Oh man. Well, look, good advice there. Look, Stuart, will you come back on when you've got 10 people? Yeah. Deal. All right. Dom. All right. Thanks so much for coming back on. Really appreciate it. Best of luck for the future. Yeah, I'm sure you'll do great. Appreciate it. Good fun. Thanks for having me.